Good morning, beloved. Welcome to the live stream. Friday, I can't believe it. I was sitting having coffee with Mrs. W this morning, and I asked her, what day is it today? Is it Wednesday or Thursday? She said, it's Friday. I couldn't believe it. I love Fridays. Looking forward to it. Man, I'm happy to be here. Very cold this morning. It's been hovering around, you know, the, all the last couple weeks or so, right around between 34 and 40 degrees, which is most miserable. And you folks that live up in the, up in the real cold, cold parts of the country, you laugh at us when we're down here complaining about how cold we are. But the Pacific Northwest has its own type of coldness, and it is a dampness that just gets in your bones, and it's miserable. You look outside, and the snow is dripping and dripping off the roof. But now, it is cold, man. We woke up to 27 degrees. Uh, it's hanging in there, and it is absolutely beautiful. So welcome, beloved. I'm glad you could be here. We're, uh, we're kind of settling in on the stream. It looks like we're here to stay, and like it or not, uh, that's the way it's going to be. So noon Pacific Standard Time. Now, I wanted to talk about a topic yesterday, and it was kind of, uh, maybe we can get into it a little bit, but what's up with the, the Karen epidemic? You know, we've all heard, if you don't know what a Karen is, a Karen is, is usually, uh, um, you know, close to the wall or post-wall uh, white Western woman uh, that is uh, just very disagreeable, um, that you just can't, you just can't, you can never please, never make hap happy. And there's a whole bunch of channels, as I said yesterday, that have dedicated content just to this because they've become so ubiquitous in society. So where do these Karens come from and why are they such a plague upon the nation? I got a comment this morning that's generating a lot or my response is generating a lot of controversy. And it was from a, I don't want to out anyone or, or bring you know, negative attention on anyone. That's not my intent. But she commented publicly. And I think we're, we're we have a it's, it's within our right to comment on this. And uh, she's a 20 was a 20 is a 29 year old female. And she was commenting on uh, when I was talking about college or trades. You know, what's the best thing for for a young man to get to? Why and why is it, I guess? As a side note, why is it that I cater to men here and, and I seem to um, not, not spend too much time or, or referencing the women? It's because my audience is male. It's 97% male, and that's who's here. So if you're a female and you take offense to that, well, grow up. You know, you don't need to be in everyone's business. You don't need to be doing everything. You're welcome to be here, of course, but understand that this is a channel for men for males. You know, we don't have very many spaces and you don't need to be poking your nose in and getting involved in everything. You know, you, you have your things. We can have our things. We can come together. There's a time to come together and there's a time to come apart. So she came in and it was asking, well, what about women? You know, what, what should I be doing? I'm 29 years old and would a trade school be appropriate for me? And I commented to her that why are you worried about, at 29, why are you worried about trade schools? Why are you not seeing about um, having children? Um, where's your husband? Uh, and, and getting married. You know, and there a whole bunch of people took offense to that. And, oh, misogynist and, and this and that. You know, here's the, here's the sad truth that maybe a lot of people don't realize. Corporate America is estimating, we're pro projecting, predicting, that in, inside of 10 years, by 2030, that half... Let this sink in. Half of white Western women in this country are going to be childless and single. Half. Why? Why is that? Are there no opportunities for, for them to get married? Are, there, are men not approaching them? Well, I blame feminism. Feminism has told them, delay. 
There's no reason for you to settle down. You don't need to settle down with a man. Go out, find your way in the world, be masculine, be, do, do it just like a man. There's no difference between men or women. And then you can, and then, you know, when you're ready, you'll have all the time in the world. Well, that's not true. What makes women valuable to men and what makes men valuable to, to women are two different things. Men are valued for their ability to produce resources. That's just the truth of the matter. Women, by and large, are valued for their beauty and their fertility. That's where their value comes from. So, women have a very a different window when, where they can really maximize you know, their assets and everything that they've been given uh, to, to leverage that into the best possible situation, which would be the best mate that they could find. And that is when they are at their highest value. And that's usually when they're younger. So, the, big, the, the, the driving force behind Karens, you know, and kind of, kind of where they, where, why there are so many of them around is because society is telling them that you don't need to lock it down when you're younger. You know, you can, uh, all this attention that you get from 18 to 24 to 30, all of that is always going to be there. And then when you're in your late 30s, you know, and you've established your career, then you can do it. What they don't realize, what they don't tell you is that their market value has gone down significantly. A lot of women think that if they could get advanced degrees or they can get a six-figure income, that that's going to make them very appealing to a man. That's going to make them very desirable to a man. But I'll tell you the truth. As a man, and I think if you guys agree with me in the comments, I'd like to see sevens in the chat if I'm on point here. We don't care about any of that. Actually, that's kind of a, a bit of a negative, to be honest with you. We're not interested in your money. We're not interested in your advanced degrees. We're not interested in any of that. We're interested in someone that can, that can be a helpmate to us, that can help us grow a business, that can help us raise a family. And that needs to be done when you're young. So the reason why there are a lot, so many Karens is that they bought into this notion that they can go out and compete with men in a masculine world. And they can if they want to. I'm not saying that they can't. They have every right to do that. And if that's what they decide to do, then I wouldn't have a thing to say about it. But if you decide to do that, if you exchange your fertility, beauty, and youth for a corporate career or an advanced degree, then you have no position to be bitching when you're, when you're, hit, when you're in your mid-30s to 40s and saying, where did all the good men go? Because the truth of the matter is this. From the time you are 16 to 26 to 30, you know, there's 25 years there where the world is your oyster, if you have anything going on, if you're even reasonably attractive. How many men in that 25 years have come with proposals? How many good men have come with and offered you or asked your hand in marriage where you blew them off, blew them off, blew them off, after 25 years of blowing them off, thinking that down the road I'll be able to do this and everything will be fine, only to wake up and realize that you missed the boat and the opportunity is gone. And I'll tell you, ladies, from the age of 40 to 80, because that's the average age that, that, that most of you are going to live to, 40 to 80, that's 40 years. That's a long, long, long time to live childless, barren, and alone without a family. And that there will be no opportunity. So there's a whole lot of women finding themselves in that situation that have bought into this idea that 
they can have everything that they can compete and, and they, they can have uh, that they should take the path that most men do and again they can no one's saying that you can't i think you should have equal rights uh, but know that this comes at a cost as i said in the comment you are sacrificing your fertility on the altar uh, of um, financial independence so don't complain to us do it if you want to, if that's what you want to do, but understand this, that that 40, that 40 years beyond when you miss that opportunity, because you will not get the same attention. You will not have the same opportunities. You will not have access to the same quality of men at 40 that you did at 24. So I'm not saying this to be misogynistic. I'm just the messenger. I'm just telling you what the facts are, that 50% of you are going to be barren, childless, no husband, and, and that's going to be a long time. A very, very long time. It's very different for men. Women come of age earlier. They have every opportunity younger. Where us men, you know, we're not valued for so, so much for those things. We're valued for what we can produce. And we're not really able to produce a whole lot. I mean, there's going to be a few exceptions until we get really hit 40 or so. You know, 40, that's when your, your peak earning years start coming in. And now that's when you're valuable. So on the tail end of us, we don't suffer the same thing that, that females do. Now we are coming in demand. You know, now we have good jobs, we have houses, we have careers, we're established. We, we have the rest of our life, we can have the pick of the litter. If you're established, you've taken care of yourself, you haven't let yourself go, it's very different. It's just kind of a cruel thing nature does. You know, the, the women come have, have their cake uh, early and the men, we have our cake later. Uh, so I'm sorry, it's just the way that it is. So uh, just to explain it, I'm not a misogynist. Uh, whatsoever. I, I, I just want everyone to have the best opportunity to be happy as possible. And I think, and I, I, it's, it's in my belief and in my opinion, that happiness is really, really comes from having a family uh, and having children and, and those sorts of things. We have a super chat from Mr. Jason Barr. Shout out to you, Jason, uh, giving me an audio check. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Shout out to the middlemen. Uh, my core group, my think tank uh, that was working uh, diligently behind the scenes. And you can have them to thank for this beautiful new icon or this member's badge. You see there, any new member that joins is going to have the 940 and we replaced it with that. And I have to say that that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, all right, let's jump into it here. Is everything going all right? We have a super chat from McFadden Farms. Shout out to you, McFadden Farms. And McFadden Far Farms writes, are you still rocking the 940 or do you have a new favorite? Nope. The 940, I am ride or die uh, with the 940. I have uh, carried it now for over a decade. Um, I lost it for a time. Uh, it's back in my life. I took the pocket clip off, never to lose it again. But no, that, that is my knife. Um, nothing else. Well, Never say never, but as far as I can see that that's going to be the future and that's going to be the way that it goes. We have a super chat from Big Pete Bear. Shout out to you, Big Pete. That's very generous of you. He says, I haven't checked in on your channel in about a year. Boy, I've been missing out. Glad to see you're crushing it uh, like Owens Bears. Yeah, I... There is... You have to draw a parallel here. <laughs> but Owen was smart in... in, in um, uh, building himself uh, a good solid group uh, to help him uh, run his channel and look after things. I don't know why I, I waited so long. There is safety in numbers and there's safety in community. And Overton, uh, shout out to you, is becoming my right arm and managing, um, managing the small group. And it has been so fun. Just last night, it was, you know, 
hate to kind of a little peek behind the veil. We had a good time. Someone posted uh, someone posted a picture of their favorite um, freedom freedom shooter or was it freedom dispenser? And it didn't take uh, but maybe five minutes, and we were all running to our gun safes and pulling out and having a massive show and tell. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was pretty fun. You know, we're we're all. Uh, even though, even though we're advanced in age, many of us, uh, we're still 10. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's all right. It's, it's the little things in life. But shout out to you, Big Pete Bear. And if you have Owen's ear, um, please, um, please say hi. It's hard to find him. You know, I don't know where he's at. You know, he's a, he has to kind of fly under the, under the radar. And it's like whack-a-mole with his channel. And I usually get his comment or his content from other people that are reposting it on uh, TikTok or even I've even seen it on YouTube, you know, before it's pulled down. But uh, he's a good dude, man. He's a um, a revolutionary and an inspiration. I'll tell you, when I first, you know, he he's there's two people that really influenced me heavily uh, in the last you know decade or so. Um, nothing fancy, nothing fancy is the reason why. Uh, I don't know that I would even have a channel if it wasn't for him. Um, you know, he was one. Of, he was groundbreaking, one of the first guys, and he helped me out. He gave me a shout out on the channel. I, I was a subscriber of his, and I'll always be grateful for that. And and Owen as well. I found Owen, and Owen opened my eyes. Owen brought me out of the blue pill simp world. I, I didn't even. I, I just didn't even know. You know, I I didn't even know what was going on and and how bad society was degrading. I was, hope was my plan. Uh, and when I started hearing that, it, it just, you know, you know truth when you hear it. And he was so courageous uh, and showed such courage and still does that um, he was a big influence on me as well. And I hate to see that he doesn't have access to, to the main channels and he has to skulk around like he does. But that's just the way that it is. Revolutionaries are rarely appreciated and a prophet is not without honor except for in his own country. Isn't that the truth? Shout out to you, Big Pete Bear. Thank you. We have a super chat from Castron Kyle, who says, whoa. Yeah, I agree. Whoa. And we have a new member, Rogan Matthew. Shout out to you, Rogan. And if you look next to your name, if you refresh, you're going to have that beautiful, beautiful 940 members badge. I have to say that that is a huge improvement over the previous one. And shout out to you. And also new member, Andrew Lar. Excellent. New member. Thank you. All right, so while we're waiting for everyone to file in, we got to get our lantern going. I haven't been getting my lantern going. Oh, goodness. Jack has a, my son Jack, he's 17. He, has, he is um, excelling in co competitive debate. Uh, and we're hoping, might even go to the national competition this year. This is, this is his second year competing. He's, he's very gifted with that. And uh, so last, last year we had a pretty fun Father-Son Day. Uh, he, you know, it's very formal. You have to wear, you know, a suit jacket, maybe not a suit, but you have to business, business attire, you know, suit and tie and, and, and that sort of thing. It's um, a, a wonderful program, wonderful group of kids. I couldn't be thrilled. I couldn't be more thrilled that he's involved with it. And Mrs. W is very active with it as well. So last year, Jack and I went into, drove into Portland and uh, went to the uh, store that, uh, I think we went to Nordstrom's, it was, and we got him a, Picked out a jacket. There was a really great dude there that had worked there for a long time that was a kind of a personal shopper. He, did, he had a business as a personal shopper, but he also worked at Nordstrom's. Um, and he, he saw us in, you know, walk in there kind of with, with the deer in the headlights look and, and took us under his wing and went around and, and helped us to, to get Jack all a, a you know, nice shirt and tie and all that. Well, 
he's grown so much, he's out of it. He's, you know, he's darn near the size I am now. He's going to be bigger than me. You know, he's just thicker than I am. I, I'm, I have, I'm a slighter frame than him, but uh, he takes after, more after his, um, the other side of the family there. But him and I, this Sunday, or Saturday or Sunday, I think it's Sunday. Yeah, Sunday we're going in uh, and get him a new suit. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll make a big day of it, have a nice meal. And uh, those opportunities don't come around very often. You know, they're, um, they're few and far in between, and, and you need to take advantage of them. Having, you know, you're just not, you're just not a, you just don't really know how to have compassion and love until you have children. And then, then you understand. What's the chance of us getting this thing without one spilling fuel all over my chopping block and my and my pants and or one and two catching ourselves on fire? I, I look at this thing with a jaundiced eye. I'll tell you this lantern. This lantern's got my goat. It scares me. It flames up. We've had all sorts of problems. Probably won't be receiving a sponsor from the Coleman factory anytime soon. We have a super chat from friend of the channel, Spartan219. Shout out to you, Spartan. Always good to see you here. Spartan says, good afternoon, brother. Always good to see you. Overton and Schuyler convinced me to stop sugar. Advice from your own experience with quitting sugar. I have, I have done it myself. Yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to do. I, I have a, always had a sweet tooth. Uh, I almost... It's almost it was in the past. I mean, it's always been almost impossible for me to to not have a dessert after a meal. I mean, there's just such an insatiable craving. It, it it's it was hard to resist. But I have noticed that I, I didn't go cold turkey, and I didn't. I, I'm not. Oh goodness, look at this. We're overflowing. How can it be? How can it be? It's not even full. I I don't know. I don't know. I'm cursed. It's just. I, it defies, it defies logic. It's half full, and here we are overflowing. Goodness. I'm going to have to dedicate 100% of my attention to the lighting of this infernal lantern. It has absolutely got my goat. And I don't even have my lighter. I probably packed off. I used to smoke cigarettes, and I had developed the strangest habit of pocketing guys' lighters. I, for some reason, I never had a lighter of my own, and I would ask to borrow a lighter, and just and I never, I never even did it consciously. I would just put it in my pocket, and dudes would be standing there like, bro, give me my lighter back. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so I have a tendency to do that, uh, and I must have did that yesterday. I know I did that, because when I was um, unloading my EDC, I said, oh, I got that lighter in there, of course. Okay, turn the lantern off, 30 pumps, I smell a very strong aroma of vapor, fuel vapors, which is disconcerting. All right, here we go. I should maybe get the face shield out. Introduce the flame first. That's, I learned that the hard way. Careful. It's hard on the heart. Goodness. You may think I'm being hyperbolic. I certainly am not. I am truly afraid of the thing. 
but it does throw a nice warm glow. And it's so cold in here. So this is Friday. You know, you know my, my manservant, Jariah, he doesn't work for me on Friday. He has the day off. He has three-day weekend. So uh, I'm on my own. I had to start the fire. He, he, gets, he comes in at 9, starts the fire for me. So when I come out, it's going. But on Fridays, I have to start it. So now, oh, okay, here we go. So uh, that's the way it is. Get this trim. Trim the lantern. Hopefully it doesn't catch on fire. Mama Kitty, if you if you weren't such an ignorant animal, you would be you wouldn't be sitting anywhere sitting anywhere near this thing. You just don't know how dangerous this thing is. Okay, we'll let that thing shoot, shoot for a minute. All right, let's jump into it. We have a super chat. Our new member, Brian Potts. Shout out to you, Brian. You will enjoy the members badge, the 940. Also, you will be having access. I'm going to wrangle Mrs. W here. We're, we're going to give you guys a live stream, a members-only live stream with Mrs. W. So when she gets home tonight, we'll pick a date. I'll schedule it so you'll get the notification. You know what it is. Bring your family around. Uh, bring, your, bring your ladies around. Um, she is a wealth of knowledge, and um, it's a real treat to have her. Uh, she's an extraordinary person. I'm very fortunate. Very fortunate to have Mrs. W for my wife. More precious than rubies. You know, the psalmist was right when he said that. I would not trade her for the gold in the world. We have a super chat from Castrin Kyle. Shout out to you, Castrin. Thank you for being here and hanging out with us. And a shout out from Jamie, good, a good member of the channel. Thank you, Jamie. Not a member yet, but a good contributor. He says, hi, Cody. Good to see you again. What surprised you about the types of questions you get? You know, I hadn't thought about that. That's a very good question. Is there anything that surprises me? You know, I've been doing this a long time, Jamie. And I, have, I, mean, I haven't been a mainline mainstreamer, but I have... But I, I have a mainline mainstreamer. I have live streamer. I have I, I was live streaming from back in the early days, like Justin TV. You know, what, some of the first platforms I used to do it, and we were doing Bible studies and such. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that there is anything strange. I guess I'm not really surprised anymore. It's very similar to what comes in through comments, and I've dealt with. I, I've just answered and spoke with with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, you know, over the over a decade that I've been doing this. So I don't know, I don't remember, I don't, haven't been surprised for some time. So if something comes to mind, I'll bring it up, but I don't recall being surprised. We have a super chat from Mr. Jason Barr. Good to see you here, Jason. Thank you for your generosity and faithfulness. We sure appreciate that. He says, hi, Cody. Good to see you again. What's the, oh, lantern pro tip. Okay, J Jason's going to lay it out for us. Don't use regular gas. White gas is much better. Get you a couple gallons, no more flame-ups. Yeah, I, I kind of figured that. I, I kind of knew that because growing up with these old-school lanterns, and they're a little bit different now. The old ones had a, a manual generator, which I still have. I think I still have my granddad's one or two of his lanterns. This one's all incorporated, and it is a dual fuel, which is nice, but the white gas is not as expensive. But the white gas is 10 bucks a gallon. And it's harder to find, and I have lots of this on hand. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to put my life at risk uh, to save that $8 a gallon, um, but I appreciate that. <laughs> if I catch myself on fire, then we'll, uh, then we'll convert. I do have a fire extinguisher around here within reach, so I can stop, drop, and roll on my way to it. Thank you, Jason. Good to see you here. We have a super chat from Cast Iron Kyle, who writes, I restored super old cast iron skittles. Do I want skillets? Do I want one? 
I think that would be really a really nice gift. I have a few of them. You know, I one thing that it's been on my actually this would be a good question for you. I've wanted to know about this. I have when I was um, younger, as I told you, that our family vacations. I, I grew up in a enclosed Christian community, a Christian cult, whatever you want to call it. But the men, all most all of the men in our family group, uh, took all of their vacation to go hunting. My granddad had only he had four weeks of vacation a year, and that was after working at the Ford dealership, you know, since like the 50s. But that's the way that it was. You know, that generation, well, they were plow horses. They didn't complain, and and they they lived through the depression. And to him, four weeks of vacation that that was a good thing. You know, now uh, us and our decadent uh, lifestyles and the decadent age, uh, you know, that's just not going to cut it anymore. And I'm not saying that the four-week vacation is the ideal. It's actually not, but that's the way that it was. So he was, he was happy to have it. And the men that, that I knew of, that was, ba you know, that was basically how it was. So every year, here, here's how it went. One week of that vacation was used for deer hunting. Two weeks of that vacation was used for elk hunting. And the, the, the fourth week of that was used for taking my Nana somewhere for a special trip, and that was usually up to Banff in Canada. You know, they were, they were, not, they were just simple people, and, and, and uh, that, that's what we did. So hunting was a huge, huge part of our family. You know, from the time I took my hunter safety course when I was 12, started walking and carrying a rifle uh, with my granddad at that age. I had uh, my first rifle was an old... It was an old German military rifle. It was an eight millimeter Mauser. And I was only 12 and I couldn't shoulder it. And my granddad and my dad cut the stock off, cut about four, three, four inches off of it. And we screwed on a brand new Packmeyer recoil pad. I remember it like, I was, like it was yesterday. And that's what I carried with the old leather strap and all that. And I very proudly walked alongside my granddad. I'll tell you a funny story. Some of you older members will, will have heard this before, but it's worth repeating. The first year, <laughs> see, my dad was not a hunter. Uh, it just was, you know, it wasn't really his thing, but my granddad, it was everything to him. It was absolutely everything. He started hunting in Hell's Canyon, up where, like in the halfway area where I was at this last weekend, uh, in 1946 or 47. Because my family was in Oklahoma <clears throat> on his side. They had uh, got their land from the Oklahoma land rush. rush. They had a self-sufficient homestead there. My granddad had uh, two brothers and a sister. Well, when the Dust Bowl came during the Depression, they were unable to make a living there anymore. They just couldn't grow anything. So the whole family, you know, just like in the Steinbeck book, the Grapes of Wrath, packed up everything that they had on the two vehicles they had. They had a Model T pickup and they had a Model A Ford. And my, my great-granddad and grandma uh, and my four uh, great-uncles, three great-uncles and, and aunt and that whole, the whole family and a couple other relatives packed up in the vehicles everything that they owned and headed out west on the way to Sun Valley, Idaho, because there was promise of jobs. The word was getting out in the Midwest to the farmers that couldn't work that there was work. A lot of work down in the almond fields, orchards down in California, in the, in the agriculture industry, all the way up to the timber industry in Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. And, and my family decided to head to Idaho, to Sun Valley. Granddad told me that the truck and the car, especially the truck, was so overloaded with, with everything that they owned 
uh, that the, the boys, when they were going up over the passes, up over the Rocky Mountains, you know, before the inter this is way before the interstates were built, and you had switchback roads, treacherous, gravel, dangerous, dirt, uh, that the boys had to actually get out and, and push because the, the old Model T pickup didn't have the power to get up some of the steeper grades. You know, it was a real hardship for the family. Well, they rolled down the other side and ended up in Sun Valley, Idaho in the middle of winter. And our family uh, lived in wall tents for a couple of seasons uh, in that cold environment. And if you know, I mean, if you, that area, Sun Valley, Idaho, in the uh, 30s, you know, right before in the, in the early 40s, was exceedingly cold, you know, very, very diff difficult, austere place to live. And they, uh, they lived in there, and the women, family started coming together. The women uh, worked and, and lived in the tents and took care of the families, took care of the children. And the men, what happened to my thing here? And the men uh, went out into, with a cross-cut saw and axe, and went out into the forest and started logging, just independently. My great, great, my great granddad, uh, my dad, my granddad's dad, him and the boys, they turned, um, I think they turned the Model T into a sawmill, a temporary one. So they, would, they drove it out to a place, the land they had there, and they jacked it up, and they put a wheel on the rear axle, took the wheel off, and they ran a leather belt, and that ran a big, just a big uh, a saw blade. And they were, that's what, what they did. They went to work cutting. So the boys would go out and cut, and um, they'd drag stuff back. I think they used the old pickup, the multi pickup, and that's how they made a living. And they worked there, they worked in, and lived in those wall tents, uh, wildcat logging uh, for a couple years until the draft came. When the draft came, that was in World War, World War II, that's when the boys uh, were drafted into the war and they went overseas. My granddad was drafted into the Air Corps, the Army Air Corps at the time, and was over in Africa and, and Libya and over there and was involved in, uh, stationed with the B-24s the liberators in um, the bombing raids over Germany. So when that was over, or when the war was over uh, and the boys were ready to come back home, the family had decided in, during the war that was back in Idaho, they moved to Portland because there was a lot of work in the shipyards. The Portland shipyards were producing Liberty ships and Liberty ships, they were actually producing one Liberty ship a day, I believe it was. Can you imagine a ship a day? when the American industry was cranking at full speed. And there was so much demand for workers there, there that, that, that my, my great granddad and, and the women and all that and uh, all moved over there and went to work in the shipyards. And so when the, when the boys came home from, from the war, that's where, uh, where we settled was in Portland. So I don't know where I was going with that, but kind of an interesting story nonetheless. We have a super chat from Smallmouth6. Shout out to you, Smallmouth. And he writes, have you considered buying a cold plunge? I don't need to buy a cold plunge because I have a cold river right over yon, right, right over, right over there. Um, <laughs> I know it's going to happen. I know it's inevitable. So today, this morning was my ninth cold shower, uh, and I have to say that I am starting to get mastery over my senses and mastery over my body at about. It's actually day ten. Uh, day 10. No, the fear is gone. I just, I look at it when I turned it on. I'm like, no, this is inevitable. This is happening. Uh, and it, there isn't, there's nothing that's going to prevent me from doing this. And I really, I, I kind of felt like I turned a corner this morning. Now, I'm not going to say I enjoyed it. I'm not, not going to say that there was not any trepidation before I stepped into it. There certainly was. But the benefits are extraordinary. Something that's interesting. So, 
if you don't, if you're just following along, I, I have, um, I'm, um, I'm going to be insufferable for the next month or so because I've discovered late. I'm late to the party. I've discovered this gentleman by the name of Wim Hof. Wim Hof is a. Um, I think he's. If he's not a prophet, he's not far from it. You know, I, I think that what, whatever. I think he's inspired from God. I think his program is inspiring, and he's helping hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And, and I, I, I'm a huge fan, huge fan. But so I've been doing, I went to his website. It's Win, is it Win, W-I-N-H-O-F-F, if you want to go there. And, and he has a 10-week program uh, that's pretty extraordinary. I, I, Mrs. W and I got online and watched a bunch of testimonials on it. And I know, I know, I know so many programs out there and what this one's in fashion and this one's in fashion this is something completely different uh, this is this is not like anything i've ever experienced before but i'm day i'm day 10 into this and i cannot tell you the amount of energy that i have and and not only that but just optimism and happiness and, and um just excited for the day by doing these cold showers and and the wim hof breathing method it is a, it's kind of a funny thing that Mrs. W and I, after supper, one thing that has been kind of a common theme, even through COVID and afterwards, is sitting down at the end of the day and, and just like, oh, we're always saying, I'm so exhausted. I'm just so tired. And I, I always kind of chalk that up to just age, that that, I just, well, I just have to accept it. You know, I, I'm not going to have the energy that I once had. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be as vivacious and as, as enthusiastic, you know. I'm I'm turning. The, I'm in a new season of life. I'm turning over into into an old man, you know. I can see the horizon where I'm in a wheelchair and they they roll me over by the curtains, put a blanket on my on my lap. <laughs> Christmas party. So I kind of kind of resigned myself to that. So after ten days of doing this, and I'm not. I am following it 100%. I, I am absolutely resolved. I'm not going to add things. I'm not going to try to think that I know something. He doesn't, I don't care if it doesn't make sense to me. I'm just going to do it. I've, I've, I'm going to do it for 10 weeks. And just, but just after 10 days, that exhaustion and being super, super tired uh, after dinner and in the evening just it, it went away. Uh, I, I can't even explain it. It's um, the energy... And the clear-headedness, I can feel, I, you can just feel your body healing. You can, I feel 20 years younger. I can't even imagine what I'm going to experience at the end of the 10-week period. And it's, it's made my life better, more enjoyable. Mrs. W has noticed it. Um, you know, I, that's the best way. The, te the personal testimonies are the most important way. You know, I, I, I knew that. You know, I, I, I've got, I get into things and I get excited about things and I want to share them. And um, it's kind of, it can be a flash in the pan. You know, I really get focused on something and, and get into it. And like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And then in four weeks, like, oh, I'm, I've done that. You know, time to move on to something else. So when I get really excited about stuff, Mrs. W, you know, she kind of gives me the, the stare down the nose. You know, like, well, well let's just wait and see. we'll just wait and see. And I know that. I know that about myself. So I, I didn't, I've tried not to make too big of a deal about it. Like, okay, I'll just, I'll do this on my own and, and I'll do my thing. But she, even she can't deny uh, just the benefits um, and how the changes that I have made. You know, rather than just being wiped out at the end of the day and, and too tired. You know, the, when you have a young child in your house, when you're of advanced years like myself, 
they're very uh, energetic. And the, and the sweet loaf in particular uh, is like has the energy of, of five children. And so you know, in the past, I found myself like, like getting annoyed by the noise and all of the chaos and like just longing for some peace and quiet. You know, I, I have more patience. Um, instead of s- sitting down and, and shushing her or trying to, you know, get her occupied so she's not, you know, making all this noise, I find myself wanting to be more like her and playing with her. Uh, it's, it's extraordinary. I just, I can't, I can't emphasize the importance of this enough. Just do it. Just do it. How many of you, I don't know where my chat is. How come the chat's not running here? Let me see here. Sorry about that, gentlemen. I like to see the chat. I don't even know if we're still broadcasting. We have a super chat from Jeremiah Jeremiah Grady, who has a very good question. He says, where in the U.S. would you recommend buying land? There's a good resource out there. Uh, Joel Scalson, I believe it is, maybe one of the middlemen can throw a link up to his book. It should be on Amazon. He's got a website. He's a pretty squared away dude. He's an older, he's, he's elderly, but he, I believe if memory serves, he was an ex-Navy, uh, Navy, excuse me, naval aviator, carrier pilot, fighter, maybe fighter pilot. And he started a business after he got out of the Navy of consulting with, um, well-heeled corporate corporate people, people with money on um, on on secure locations, uh, how to secure facilities, how to secure private residencies, and he wrote a really good comprehensive book uh, called Strategic Relocation. Man, I'm really bu- bummed about this chat here. Let me see. I'm going to refresh this, gentlemen, and see if I can't get this going here. Give me one second. I apologize. I don't like not having the chat. I'm completely in the dark here. Overton, can you send me a note? Are we still online? Because I'm in the I'm in the dark here. You send it through signal. Yeah, hold on a second. I'm sorry about that. I just don't know. Uh, just don't know what's going on here. It says we're live. I'm going to refresh this one more time, and if it doesn't work, we'll just abandon it here. Give me a second. Nothing but the best production, gentlemen. Ah, you don't. We don't always have to be talking. Silence is golden. Okay. Let's see here. We go here. Yeah, Overton says I'm online. Let me try to pull up the chat here. And if it doesn't work, all right. We'll try that. I think it's refreshed here. We'll see. Uh, but so this is a good resource. Joel Scalson, I think if I might be butchering his name, Strategic Relocation. It's, it's been out for a while but it's still very relevant. And what he does, it's kind of cool, is he, has, uh, he breaks down state by state and gives it a ranking um, for over a whole bunch of different things to consider. So some things that you need to consider is that your biggest, one of your biggest threats are going to be the people uh, and, and being close to cities. One thing that I may have learned this from him or read it somewhere else that's quite interesting, one thing that, that 
that happened that gives us an insight of what we could expect in times of extreme stress is what happened in Germany 1945, Germany or 46 or so, when, when the Red Menace was coming down uh, from the east, from the north there. And when people started to be pressured and they were threatened, what they did is they packed up their belongings, they filled up their cars with everything, that, all the possessions that they had, they took to the interstates and they were fleeing. They were trying to get away, going out to the country. Well, they had the interstate system. Actually, that, the Germans invented the interstate system that Eisenhower eventually brought over here that we have today. It was, a, it was designed to, to be able to move troops rapidly from one point to point, to point A. So they took to that, well, because of rationing, um, the gas ran out, uh, cars started to run out of gas, the interstates were immediately clogged, and even if you did have gas or had made provisions, you were stuck in this sea of humanity just like everyone else. Well, from there, the only option for people to, was to take to foot. And when they took to foot, now they've got to carry things. So a lot of things were left behind, the interstates were completely clogged and useless. They started walking, and like a, like a sea of locusts, they basically stripped all of the farms, the farmland or anybody, any house that had food or orchard or, or livestock, was, it was decimated for about seven miles each side of the interstate. Just, just a swath of, of starvation, hunger, and, and human, uh, it's a wasteland. So when you're looking at land, consider that. You don't want to be too close to these particular cities. Now, I don't recommend getting out too far. There's a lot of things that dude's got to consider about these. You know, if you're just a single guy, like if I was just me and I was wanting to have a place that I could have that I would be secure and no one would bother me and, and just with the least amount of problems, you know, I, I would be up near the Canadian border, up, you know, up around Polebridge, Montana, somewhere up there, you know, in that Flathead Valley. Uh, up there where it's difficult to get to and we looked at land up there you know we considered that sort of thing but one thing that's important to consider if you have a family is your wife or your partner because you may be an island and most of us men are, are pretty solitary and if we don't have a bunch of inputs you know that's fine we kind of prefer it that way but our women are not that way they're a lot more social so it's also you have to consider that you can't just bully them into, we're going to do this and do that, because if you move them out there and they're too isolated, it's going to be very difficult and it will probably destroy your marriage. Because women need, need interaction. They like to be part of things. And so what Mrs. W and I, you know, when we were looking for land, you know, that was important to, to me, that we, that we had a spot that had community or it wasn't too far out where she could drive in and still have access to libraries, shopping, the things that we need, getting supplies, and it wasn't going to be a tremendous burden. So just as an overview, just try to consider that. As far as where you want to settle and where you want to go, you have to ask yourself, do you want to be around family? If family is going to be important to you, then that's going to determine, you know, kind of the area you have to stay in. How much money do you have? Because property out here, out west, is going to be tenfold what it is in, let's say, South Dakota, that sort of thing. So how much money do you have? Um, are you going to grow your own food? Are you wanting to be able to have a, a woodlot that will provide enough wood uh, for you to heat with because the one thing about that's really nice about the Pacific Northwest about being near a forest that has a lot of trees uh, that you can use for firewood because th that is an energy source at uh, basically an unlimited energy source 
provided you have the wherewithal and ability to go out and get it. With firewood, we'll provide everything that you will need. It will provide uh, a heat source. Uh, it will provide um, the ability to, to cook with, boil water. You know, all, that's basically all you need. need. I mean, what do we need? We need? We need shelter. We need to be, protect ourselves from exposure. And that is done by how? Well, get natural gas. Can you produce natural gas if it's turned off? You cannot. Electricity. Can you produce electricity? Maybe. Do you know how much electricity it takes to run a 240 heater or a furnace? It would be a tremendous solar array. And that solar array, you know, that puts you at risk as well. If you're the only, you're like, oh, I'm good, man. I got my 50 solar panels. Well, your neighbor doesn't, and he's looking at yours. People are going to come, and they're going to take them, or they're going to vandalize them just out of sheer spite because they hate to see someone doing better than they do. You know, there's a lot of different things to consider. Make yourself low profile as possible and have access to the natural resources. Once you figure out how you're going to heat your place, how you're going to uh, cook your food, then what about a water supply? If the water is turned off, how are you going to deal with that? You know, and people say, well, I'll just collect rainwater. I'll just do, you know, it's not healthy to drink rainwater. You really need a, a good supply of water, either from a well or a spring or a river. So how are you going to do that? And, and if you do have a well, how are you going to get it out of the ground? Again, do you know how much power it takes to lift water 400 feet out of the ground? I mean, I've had people even think that, will tell me, oh, I'm good. I've got a well. Well, that well has got a 240, 40-amp pump in it. I mean, you can't, how long can you run your generator? And, and I mean, and you're not going to put a bucket down there like, like you know, the, back in the day, you know, you've got an eight-inch well casing, you know, so these are things you need to consider. So when you're looking at land, it would be important to me, very, very important to consider those two things. Does it have a sustainable woodlot on it? Does it have uh, a reliable water source? Now, a well can work. You can make that work. I've got a well out here. We have a river and a well and unlimited irrigation. You know, these, that is the, the holy trifecta right there of the prepper, to have those things. A water supply that could produce energy even, and microhydroelectric. Um, you have an unlimited supply of water that can feed your irrigation of your crops. Because if you think you're going to grow a victory garden without water, or that you're going to water it by hand uh, with buckets, um, go try that. Uh, you'll be surprised. Your entire life will be spent doing nothing but packing water. So location away from cities, you know, this is a long answer to, a, to the question, away from cities within reason, you know, an hour out is a, is a good way. Sustainable woodlot, if you can have access to it. And even, you know, even if you don't own the woodlot, if you can get something that's, that buttresses a, a, a park, um, private timberland, DNR, National Forest, even, you know, in the times now where things, you know, you, you won't, can't legally go out there and start chopping down trees and pulling those resources out. When it gets, if it gets to the point where you're, there's no power, um, you know, all of those regulations, all of those rules, you know, that, that stuff's all out the window. No one's paying attention to that. No one's buying hunting licenses. No one's following any of those. It's going to be survival uh, and people will be out there doing whatever they have to do. There'll be abandoned houses that will be torn down. You know, you could, heat your, you could heat your family through a whole winter just from the studs and the lumber that you would pull out of an abandoned house. Uh, but your whole life in that situation is going to be spent acquiring wood and dealing with food. There won't be time and personal security. There won't be time for anything else. 
I was a sign of the, talk about a sign of the times. Uh, Mrs. W and I took a, a, a Sabbath drive up Mount Fuji last weekend uh, to go see where the snow level was at. We like to do that on the weekends. And we went up there and looked around a little bit and we're on our way down. And well, actually when I was on my way up, I passed a guy that was walking down the road and he had a backpack on and, um, you know, kind of looked like a homeless guy, uh, but, but not scroungy. You know, I mean, definitely had, had some self-respect about him. I saw him walking down, pouring down rain, pouring down rain. And I, I thought, oh, I wonder why that guy's out in the rain. People do that. You know, people go up there and hike, and you know, so he had a rain jacket on, so he wasn't completely destitute. And on our way down, uh, as we drove by, he stuck his thumb out. He was hitchhiking. So we pulled over, and I was in my truck and had him jump in the back and got to visiting with him and telling a story, and he was telling me that he'd, he was living up in the forest, living up there, and I don't know if he had a trailer or if he had a, a camper. But um, Mrs. W asked, is there anyone else living up there? And he said, yeah, there's starting to be a small community up there. Uh, people are coming up, and he said, there's even a family that just moved up there just north of me that are living in wall tents. And there's a, f a couple families that are living in RVs up there uh, with little kids and families. And they're just squatting in the, nation in the National Forest. Talked to a, or I, not talked to, I uh, was watching a, a TikTok video of a surveyor, a land surveyor that works in remote locations. And he was saying in his video, he's like, I, cause my job is to go out and I survey. I look for benchmarks and, and I'm doing land surveys all the time. And I've been doing this a long time. And I'll tell you, these small encampments are, are springing up all over the place. And these are not like, these are different than city people. These are normal people. These are the people that are on the margins of society, wage-earning people that have been in houses or apartments that, that just from sheer fact of inflation or they just couldn't make it through COVID or who knows, you know, it could happen to any of us, are just no longer able to, to participate. And their only option they have, you know, they have to live. They have to take care of their family is to take to the road and they can't afford fuel. And so they're going up there and they're starting these small communities. And this isn't being reported on. You know, when you think of homeless people, you know, you think of what's going on in Portland. And a lot of those people are there by choice. A lot of them are there not by choice. But this is the reality. This is the future. This is what's happening. And the, the, circling back, what I'm trying to get to is, is in our conversation with this man, uh, I was asking him questions. He said, you know, my whole day is spent in the acquisition of firewood just to try to keep myself warm. That's all that I do. That's all that I do is I'm cutting, splitting, packing. You know, I don't know what he had. If he, I think he mentioned he had a chainsaw and such, but, but that's the reality. You know, I, if you, we, we just have no idea the resources it takes to live outside of society and if these things are cut off um, people are just not prepared maybe most you guys maybe more so than others but for most of us uh, you have no idea to do it so what i would look for in that land are those things stay away from the hordes that are going to spread out from the cities make sure you have access to a woodlot where you can produce heat and cook with and, and a water supply. I mean, those are really, really the main things. And if, if you can, if there's game, if you can hunt, if it has a good, healthy supply of deer, elk, whatever, um, that's important as well. But 
that's what I would consider. And that's what we were looking for. And it took a long time. When Mrs. W and I started looking for land, when we first got married, we, you know, we bought and remodeled a, a house close in the city in Portland. And when we um, decided to move out of there, what, what she would do is she would go and we, we decided on the area that we wanted. Like, okay, here's the, the Portland airport. We have family here as well. We don't want to be any more than an hour or hour and a half away, whatever it was we decided. And so what we did is we took the map and we drew a circle and, and, and that told us where we, could, where we were going to look for land. You know, there were criteria that we had to meet and that was, that was, a, hard, that was a hard line. And then we started filling in the, you know, looking around. So she would, she would um, like Sunday morning, it was Saturday night, she would print out all of the listings for land and anything that was in our price budget. And we'd ha she'd have a big stack of sheets and we would load up Jack in our old van and we would just start looking and driving. And it took us a long time, years and years and years to finally find something suitable because these criteria were important. Energy, a supply of energy, water, um, and access to family and resources and, and an international airport. We have a super chat from Logan Petrie. Shout out to you, Logan. And Logan says, you may need to go from top chat to live chat. Is that what I'm doing? You know, you would think after a decade on this platform that I would know that. It is top chat. <laughs> it's so simple. I am a Luddite. Well, now it's gone. That's nice. Well, it doesn't matter. We'll get it worked out next time. We're not going let to let it slow us down here. Uh, we have it, but thank you. Shout out to you, Logan, and thanks for trying. Uh, we have a super chat from Bo Oaktree and new member. Shout out to you. Hey, brother, appreciate you and your message. Bless you. Bless you as well. And thank you for joining us. And join us over on the members only chat this weekend. That's going to be a good one. We had a good time last weekend. And we have a super chat from Tim Caldwell, a two-year member. Shout out to you, Tim. He says, thank you for your daily message, the highlight of my week. Well, I, I do appreciate that. And we're going to be here Monday through fri Friday, and the weekends will be uh, just be a benefit. Goodness. I do have one thing. So today's a big day for Mrs. W and I. We'll kind of close with this. Um. I told you guys that we're working really hard to get, we want to establish the community center. We, we want to have a facility where we can get together to do things. And today's a big deal with that. We're actually, we've decided what we need to do is the house that we are in right now is too big for us. We don't want to live in a house like that, but it's going to be the perfect place for a community center. So we are in the process of building ourselves a, a, just a, a normal modest house right next door. I bought the, the couple acres right next door, shares the property line. It's got riverfront as well, and we're, that's where I built the shop. The shop will ultimately be where, well, if we're still live streaming, Lord willing, we'll be over there, uh, live streaming in there if and when we get that house built. So we kind of decide, narrowed down a design, and we're meeting with our, our builder uh, today. So we have a local guy, um, really good dude, that has a good reputation in town, um, and we, we sent some preliminary drawings over there and he's looking at him. He's like, yeah, that looks like something we could do. So goodness, keep us in your prayers. I don't know how it's all going to happen. There's a lot of moving parts, but it, it could be, you know, if we can agree to this and, and everything goes through, you know, we could be in that place in one year. And that right there is going to open, throw open all the doors and answer a lot of prayers to everything that we're hoping to do. 
And you know, a year goes by really quickly. It, it seems like a, a long ways out there, um, but it is it's certainly there. Also, it's really touched my heart uh, in the comments the last couple of days. I've, I've had a, a couple folks uh, and even some folks internationally, and I, if you're here, I haven't had time to reach out to you, that have offered to even to come out uh, and like, I, I had a guy uh, from the, the UK yesterday uh, that, you know, you, you just can tell a lot about people by the way they write, you know, and I don't know him, I haven't met him, but I have a, I have a good instinct for people. You can, you, you can just tell, you just know, you know, it's the spirit speaks to you. We think, we always, we always think everything logically, but, and kind of ignore that, the gut feeling. That gut feeling is everything. The gut feeling is how God speaks to us. You know, as I'm so fond of saying lately, you know, those feelings, those emotions turn to thoughts and that's how we, we react. And it was, it really warmed my heart. He reached out and said, I really am excited about what you're going on, what we have going on. I really believe in this effort. And I, if you would be willing, I would be willing to come out and do with me what you want. Give me a, give me a room to live in. Um, I will work 16 hours a day. I'll, I'll plow snow. I'll cut firewood, anything like that. And I've had multiple people reach out and offer these things. And I cannot tell you how that warms my heart. And, and it encourages me uh, that this, what we're doing here is important. I, I'm going to have to make a decision to, to j jump out of the comment section a little bit. I have noticed that I can, my day can be going, there's just poison in the comments. My day can be going so good. I'm super optimistic. Uh, I'm on a big high after the live stream and we, we feed off of each other and we encourage one another. And I find myself in the evenings when things are slowing down a little bit and I put the baby to bed, I want to jump in the comments and I find myself just getting more cynical, angrier, losing focus. <laughs> it's just poison in the comments. It's, to it's just a, a toxic, to toxic place. And I don't know why it is that I know that it's a very tiny percentage and a small minority that act, minority that are actually in the comments and actually join them, but the, but the, but the ratio of negativity, it, it seems to be a bit skewed and you can lose sight of what you're doing and you can start buying into it and you can start listening to that negativity. And I'm, I am convinced that the most destructive thing in our life and this world for Christian, non-Christian, whatever, whatever you, just as a human being is that negativity. That negativity brings sickness, it brings misery, it brings disease. I am 100% convinced that, that the mindset, how you think and, and how positive or negative you are affects your biology. It affects your cells. I think, it seems to me anyway, that a, a negative attitude and worry and dread and stewing and always thinking and, and just being anxious about everything I think you can bring sickness upon you. I think you can, you can bring cancer, you can bring diseases just by having a negative view on life and having a negative attitude about things. And the, the reverse is true as well. Having a, a positive attitude, having hope for the future, having um, optimism is healing. It's like medicine for your body. And it's, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a better way to live. And for me, my nature, when I'm connected to God and I'm, I'm really able to, to calm myself and receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, my optimism and my hope and my joy and my happiness and everything that I do, uh, from the food I eat to the work I find my hand doing, it, it, life is a joy and a pleasure. It's not easy. It's not, it's not 
candy and roses all the time, but I can find a delight in it. I can find a, a, a joy in it. Whereas when I start getting negative and I, I can just feel it's creeping into me like a, like a, a dark spirit from that comment section, from that negativity. And I find myself wanting to try to justify myself uh, and straighten people out, you know, because when people are commenting, you know, they don't understand things and, you know, they, they, or they picked up a little bit of information here and they're applying it, you know, and I, you, know, you want to straighten them out. But I've just realized that this is a toxic and poisonous environment and it is um, not a place you want to spend a lot of time. Like Jesus, you know, what he had to do. He would go into these areas, these toxic cities that were just cesspools of misery and suffering and sickness and disease, and he would bring the light. And I'm not comparing myself to Christ, so don't, please don't stop, stop, stop typing. Um, he's our example. He led by example for us to learn from. And so that's what we're doing here is we're learning from there. And what he did is, is even he, perfect character, without sin, it was so burdensome to his character to be around that and, and in the midst of all of that, that even he had to retreat and to go away for a while and recharge, reconnect with his maker, spend time meditating, spend time in prayer, spend time in nature, in God's creation, so that he could be in a position to go back. That was his, he, that was his the way he worked. He, he was in and out, in and out. Even his apostles, sometimes they didn't even know where he was at because he knew the importance of doing that, and that is what he's modeled for us. I've been wondering of late um, if, if, um, if there's some of you out there that think I'm losing my mind and going crazy, you're really going to think it now. But I'm wondering if we're going to really look to the master as, our, as the example of Christian conduct and what we need to do to, make, to be able to maintain our ability to, to be of use to God on this sinful and, and cruel world, do we literally need to follow his example? Is it something that a man could, should consider doing annually or biannually is to take that 40 days of, of time in the wilderness like he did? That's what he did before he prepared his ministry. And is that even possible? I mean, when you think of the, way, the society that we live in and the demands upon us and such, I have myself and, you know, I've got children at home and a wife to take care of and everything. I wonder, is it even possible or is it even responsible? But there seems there'd be just something that, that is drawing me to that. And I've been thinking, how could a, how could a person even do that? How could you possibly take what, five weeks off? <laughs> five weeks off away from your family and all that? And what would, what would you look like when you came out from the other side? And what am I talking about? You know, what's the wilderness experience? You know, what is, what, what did he do? He said he went out there and didn't eat or drink. Um, you know, am I willing to go to that extreme or is that even responsible or is that even something that's required uh, of, of people? I don't know. I don't know. But I was wondering, you know, what would that experience be like? Maybe a mini version of that would be would be uh, something worth trying. Seven days? Could you go seven days to a remote or difficult location without any inputs um, and sit out there in silence and survive? And what would that do to your mind? And, and what would that do to your soul? And would that, give you, would that give you the ability, free of distraction, to connect in God in a way that you've never understood before? I, I almost feel like it might be something that, that a man might want to plan for and try to do. It might be necessary. You know, and if that's what God needed to do, 
Jesus himself to prepare himself for the most difficult challenge of his life when he was three temptations of the devil, um, you know, is that instruction to us as well? What do you think? Let me know in the comments if you ever experienced that or if you ever, have ever considered that or that should be something that, that a man might want to try to incorporate. Um, it would be very, a very, very interesting thing to try. It would take a lot of courage to do that, too. I'm not talking about going out in your camper. I'm talking about putting a pack on your back and going, uh, you know, like a walkabout, like an aborigine. I can't get it out of my mind. I think about it all the time. We have a new member, Spencer Irvin. Shout out to you, Spencer. Stream time, one hour. Yep, we're coming up on it. Thank you, Jason. Another super chat from Jason Barr. He says, Titus 3.10-11, As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. You know, I needed to hear that right there. You know, the first thing, Jason, that comes to my mind is, we've talked about this before, is that there is, you, you can only strive with, with a, a person for so long. Jesus gave us examples of that. He said, you know, I stand at the door and knock. Any man that opens the door, I will come in and I will sup with him. Well, what does that mean? Well, what he's talking about, standing at the door and knocking, it's not a physical door. It is the door is the heart. And, and the, the knocking is the knocking or the urging of the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through the still small voice, a very subtle voice of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus paints this analogy, this gives us this allegory of the man standing at the door and knocking. Knock, knock, knock. How long will he knock? How long will you knock before, if the door is not opened, that you simply have to turn and, and to leave? Uh, he said there comes a time. You, you, you're not to just bash your head against the wall and just suffer fools forever and ever. There comes a point where it, it, there's just no point of it. It's, it's counterproductive. You are wasting time at the expense of people that would listen to you. You know, he even gave the same instructions to the early disciples. When he sent the disciples two by two to go out and do, to start their personal ministries for the first time, you know, many of them were, were afraid and frightened and didn't know what to do. And he gave them specific instructions. He said that if you go to a place or to a city and they receive you, if they're willing to listen to what you have to say and to hear the gospel, then go in and, and stay with them and, and spend time with them and teach them. But if you come to a city and they will not receive you, he says, don't waste any time with it. He even says, shake off the dust of your feet from that place. It's so contemptible it, that you don't even want to be associated with it. You don't even want the dust of the dirt that they live in on your sandals. Go on, move on to an, another place. And I think that's what Jason is telling us right here, is that there, you're never going to reach those, those people. And... The thing that just comes back to me time and time again is let the dead bury their dead. Uh, there, is no, there is no hope. Um, don't cast your pearls before swine. There are plenty of good people that are eager to hear, that are willing to respond to the message. Why would you waste a moment's notice on these lost, godless um, People that, that are never going to come around, that, that, that are, are living and wallowing in misery, and, will, and misery loves company. And, and the only thing that they have, the only thing that they can, they can bring is hopefully extend some of their misery upon you. And uh, there comes a point where it's just pointless. And I think, that, yeah, I think you're right, Jason. 
I think that I think that the comment section has become that. I think that the the emphasis, you know, there is an option for me. This just dawned on me. I don't know why I haven't thought of it before. There's an option for me to only see if I'm going to go in and deal with comments. I can only I can just click toggle one switch, and I'm only looking at comments from members. And that seems to be the solution right there. If you guys have committed to this channel and supporting my family and are here faithfully for the live streams and, and supporting us this way, then you are the ones where I need to be spending my time, not upon the repro reprobates. Um, that might, that's going to be the policy. Yeah. I have to keep an eye on it, but I don't have to get down into the mud with people. And I think that's a good solution. And thank you, Jason. Yeah, that's what I needed to hear. That's exactly what I needed to hear. We have a super chat from Standard Land. Shout out to you, Standard. He writes, three-year member as well. Let's not forget that. Uh, just saw the new emojis. Thank you. Yeah, the new emojis are good. And you can thank the middlemen for that. They chose, voted on, and provided the emojis. And uh, even the foot emoji, which is gross, but it's cool. Staying grounded. We need a ground. I, I was thinking today, I, I need a grounded t-shirt. <laughs> we might have to have a short run, a merch run on that one. We have a super chat from Trey Forrester. Shout out to you, Trey. And Trey writes, in some videos you mentioned TradCon. What do you consider the difference between traditional conservative and modern conservative? I'm going to speak off just my gut, just what came into my mind. Um, I don't even know if it makes sense. When I think of modern conservative, I think of grifters. I think of people that are trying to monetize the movement because it's popular. There's a whole, you know, what's interesting, you're starting to see a lot of, of pseudo-modern tradcon women uh, popping up all over the place. And, and YouTube videos, and you'll, you, you can pick them out immediately because they're, they'll say things like, you know, yeah, maybe men are, are getting a raw shake and, and, you know, and they're starting to you know, cover themselves up and, and not look like whores. And they have this message, and, and they're, they're ubiquitous all over the website. And I see them now, and I'm thinking, I don't trust you. I think you're doing this uh, because, one, you realize how dangerous the times are coming, and you realize that feminism is not getting you anywhere. It's going to leave you uh, alone with cats and box wine and 40 years of misery and, and, and the, the slipstream right into Karenhood. And you see that, and there's a few that are waking up and like, oh, feminism isn't working for us anymore, so now we're going to be traditional conservative women. Virtuous women, even though they have body counts of 50, 60, 100, 200, but now they're covered up, and they would have us believe that these are now virtuous women after 20 years on the CC. I don't buy it, and no one's fooling me. If you're a Johnny-come-lately, uh, a tradcon woman, a tradcon man, uh, it's primarily, many of these uh, are doing it because it, they can monetize it and they can grift uh, and they can make money from it. And it's, it's actually going to be the new thing. Uh, as f when women have went so far to one extreme uh, that to the point where they've wrecked themselves to the point where any quality man is not going to want them. There's no shortage of men out there for these women, but it's not the ones that they want. High quality men want virtuous women. 
We want women we can trust. We don't want high body counts. We don't want someone that's been out and, and, and done everything and has lost their ability to pair bond. We just don't want that. And just because you've couched yourself as a tradcon uh, and you're grifting and you ha- are now wearing that mask doesn't mean that you are. So when I think of modern tradcon, that's what I think of. Traditional tradcon would be Mrs. W., someone that has never done those things, that has always maintained those values her whole life. And those are, that, that is what I would consider to be a traditional tradcon. And the two are very, very different. Um, just because one is made up and wearing the tradcom costume, um, because feminism hasn't particularly worked out for her, or she's getting desperate and now it needs to, to land a quality man, uh, be careful. They are wool, they are sheep, sheeps, sheeps. Sheeps and wolf, wolves clothing. Wolf, excuse me. I'm not a smart man. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. That's why I didn't roll off the tongue, because I was trying to force something that shouldn't be said. Yeah, that's the, that's, that's the way it is. So be warned. When you see these, tradition, these new tradcons, uh, they are, many of them, they're grifters. Don't trust them. Snakes. You've seen them. They're all, over, they're all over YouTube right now. We have a super chat from Austin Fitterer. Shout out to you, Austin. He says, how do you feel about PNWers leaving for more free states? The, the Pacific Northwest states are, are I, I don't know, um, what, what he's talking about and a big problem that we're having out here. So let's take Oregon and Washington. That's really Pacific Northwest right there. I, Idaho is, is, a, is hangs on, but it doesn't, have a, it doesn't have a coast, so it doesn't really count. Not that there's anything wrong with Idaho. We love, we love Idaho. Just Oregon and Washington, that's Pacific Northwest. Portland and Eugene are the two biggest cities in, in Oregon. Seattle, Olympia, uh, exceedingly liberal, and the thing speaks for itself. The cities are a cesspool uh, of, of left, leftist politics. Uh, and they're the ones making policy for the whole state. They, they, there's a big problem because the people, those of us who live in the rural areas are, are coming to the realization that, you know what, we don't want that. We don't, ha- we don't share your beliefs. We don't even share your problems. Yet you're making legislation to try to deal, you try to put Band-Aids on failed policy that uh, we can all see is going to be, they're going to fail. And then they're trying to impose that upon us. And there's becoming a huge rift. There's actually a, a movement, and it'll, it'll probably never happen, uh, of another state being formed that's going to incorporate the rural areas uh, to more like-minded people. I wouldn't count on that being, being a thing. Would I leave for those policies? Would I leave because of magazine bans, for example? Would I leave because of draconian um, uh, or, or illegal legislation being passed or that's going to undermine my, my 2A? No, I'm not, I'm not going to leave. Uh, you can, if you don't live here, you, you, know, you don't realize that the rural, the rural counties, they're, they're not like the, the people that live in this, these cities. They're very different. We don't, we, don't, we don't have anything in common with those people. So I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm taking, this, I'm taking the, the shackles and the chains off. Um, I, don't, I, I don't look, I don't respect and look to these traditional systems of authority uh, like I used to. 
Um, and I don't even pay attention to them anymore, and I'm not alone. There's a whole bunch of us as well. Um, I, I just, they said we just don't participate in it. Let them do what they want to do. Uh, let them devour themselves and let them destroy their own homes, uh, burn, burn down their cities. And I, I think just in a few more years, there, there is a great awakening that's going on. Um, there's just, it's just time to push back. It's time to push back and say, okay, you, go ahead, pass all the laws and bills you want. Um, I'm not paying any attention to it. You know, just in my county alone, we have an awesome sheriff. The sheriff has written a public letter saying to all the constituents, all the people here, uh, saying that I will not uh, enforce any of these illegal infringements on the 2A. I will not enforce vaccine mandates. My sheriffs, my deputies will not enforce, will not be involved in any gun confiscation. He came, in, he came out publicly and just said, I stand with, with the people here. I stand with the, with the original tenets of the Constitution. And that is the, that is the law of, of the land here. I mean, it's the only, that's the only law enforcement here. And what he says goes. Sheriffs have a lot of power. Uh, in this country. Now, the only thing that can trump that would be the feds. And he's even, he's even come out publicly uh, to all of us and said, if a fed shows up to your house or anyone harassing you or anyone trying to do anything, you call me, you call us immediately and we will be there and we will have them out on their ear. So that makes me feel good, um, provided that you know, the next elected sheriff has the same view, but no, I, I'm not going to be, I, I'm done. I, I'm done being chased. I don't want, I'm not going to be chased around. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm ride or die here. This is, this is where I grew up. This is my land. This is the land of my home. Um, this is where I belong and this is where I'll make my last stand. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, I'm not going to be chased out. Now, if I lived in Portland, would I move out? Yeah, but I don't know that I would leave the state. I'd still probably stay nearby. I would just get out into a further away from that, into more of a rural area with um, more like-minded people. We have a super chat from CH who writes, shout out to you, CH, who writes, Cody, what, what of those who lost their way for a short time but come back to or find God and Tradcon Valleys? I don't understand this. Cody, what of those, what of those who lost their way for a short time but come back or to find God and Tradcon values. Yeah, no, that's, of course, you know, that goes, that goes without saying, if they're sincere. But as a man, you know, women can be duplicitous. You know, they're very, they're very, very they can be very, very convincing. And those of us, if, if we get our, men are very simple. If we get our, and we're very trusting. If we get our emotions involved, we're not always able to see things objectively. I'm just telling you that even though someone may have, let's, let's say oh, there was a girl, a woman, born into a, a, a traditional family that knew the difference between right or wrong. She lost her way. Um, she went out. She's got 50, 60 partners, whatever. Uh, and then and she realized that she'd, been, she'd made a mistake. She realized that that's where not, where, happy, where, not where happiness is and now wants to come back. If you are not honest about that with, with a man that, that may become interested in you, and if you try to hide that, and you lie about your body count, you lie about your experiences, you lie about all those relationships out of fear that if the truth was known, that no good man would have you, 
then you are practicing a deceit and a fraud on that man. And dressing something up and putting lipstick on it doesn't make it a particular thing. It's still a lie and a fraud. It's just, I can't emphasize the importance if you, if you are a young woman watching this and you haven't gone down that road yet, there's going to be a lot of pressure for you to do that. There are consequences to these things. You lose your ability to pair bond. You lose your ability to, to, to mate up with a mate in a strong relationship that can just, uh, can't be repaired outside of a miracle. I'm sorry uh, that that happened to you. I'm sorry that you did that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't find someone, and I'm not saying that you can't, that God can't make a way. You know, that, that's something you're going to have to deal with. I'm talking to the men here, because that is getting involved with a woman like that, that has had those experiences, and this, you know, this can go both ways too, uh, is going to put you at, at a much higher risk for divorce, and it's going to be much more difficult for you to maintain that marriage. You know, Do you even know, I mean, a woman that's, that's had so many relationships and so many experiences, I mean, do you even know, can you even compete? Do you, do you know what her past is? I mean, has she been dating chads? You know, are you a chad? You know, do you, are you wondering, you know, is she actually thinking about me when we're intimate? Is she actually interested in me? Does she actually love me? Or is, did she just grab onto me out of desperation because I was, it was either that or being alone, you know? you got to think about that, gentlemen. Don't be bamboozled by this. Don't be blindsided. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry to, to be the messenger of bad news, but that's just the way it is. We've got to protect ourselves. If it were, we, if the courts weren't so one-sided towards men, if it wasn't so dangerous, you know, maybe we could take a risk on these things. You know, maybe we could, we could accept you know, a woman that has been through these experiences, you know, and, and hope that she's, you know, not, not going to be unhappy and, and be back out in the streets again in 24 months after, you know, and, and, and wreck our lives and take half of everything, if not more of what we had. It's just too much to risk. Um, I'm sorry you, have, you weren't told this. I, I'm sorry that, that everybody in school and society and, and media has told you that there's nothing wrong with this and you can go and live this lifestyle and you can come out of it, check out of it anytime you want and go right back into a traditional marriage and everything will be fine. But you cannot go out into the world, into the streets and live 10, 20 years as a non-traditional woman and then expect to just all that just to be go gone away and I can, oh, la, 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 that never happened and now I dress myself up and I butt myself up and no longer am I dressing like, a, like, like a, I used to uh, and, and go in under false pretenses and try to lock down a good man um, and him the whole time ignorant of what your past was. Uh, it, 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 I, I just, you, you can't do that. Uh, they, and women are doing it all the time. Men are getting sucked into it, but... There's an awakening. I'm here to try to, to spread the news. There's a whole bunch of other men that have went through horrible experiences and are, they're trying to spread the news. It's just, you have, I'm sorry, you've, you've done it to yourself. Um, it's, um, uh, can, you, can you be redeemed from it? Of course, you know, but uh, it's gonna be difficult. You've really, really made, made, it, made things a lot more difficult and you have to be honest.
you, you have to, if that's been your past and that's what you've done, you need to come clean with it. Because if that man finds out, if I were to find out uh, that a woman had done that to me, I would, I would immediately drop her. I would immediately divorce her. Um, it's unacceptable. Unacceptable. We have a super chat from Joey Krull. Shout out to you, Joey, who writes, Cody, are you Catholic? I'm just curious with you talking about TradCon values. There is the same sort of rift forming in the Catholic Church. No, I'm not, I'm not Catholic. I'm a Protestant. Um, I would never be Catholic. I, I don't support it. I don't... Um, no, absolutely not. I'm the, furthest, I'm the furthest, furthest thing in the world from a Catholic. We have a super chat, or a new member, Clayton Elkins. Shout out to you, Clayton, and enjoy your new 940 Benchmade banner. Banner, I guess. All right. I think I've probably done enough damage today. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out. Thank you for your time. You show me a great amount of respect giving me your time. It's the most valuable thing we have. And the fact that you sat here with me and are involved in it uh, means a lot to me, and I don't take it for granted. I try, I've always tried to, to not waste your time with my content, whether it be shorts, long-form videos, live streams, to have something that, that benefited you in some way. Maybe you learned something, maybe you were encouraged, maybe you're motivated, maybe you're just entertained. I, I do take it seriously. I think about it all the time. It is my life's work, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm not about wasting people's time, so I, I do do the best I can. And um, I, I don't take for granted the fact that you're here and giving me that time. Someone's sneaking in a super chat here. Goodness, we have Plague S36. Shout out to you, who writes, what's your opinion on the South? I know you've talked about East Coast and West Coast, man, because I grew up in the mid middle Georgia in heavy woods swamps. Now, I have no gripe with Southern man um, at all. I don't, I don't think of anything negative about Southern man. I lived in South Florida uh, for a while. I do know about Southern man. Um, but one thing I cannot get past uh, is your climate. Your climate to me is hateful. The humidity... And the bugs and the oppressive heat. Oh, I, I just I, I, I can't I can't get past that. I, I admire uh, Southern man that he's able to deal deal with that uh, and be uh, spend his whole life sweating in humidity uh, and swatting at bugs. I don't know how you do it. You know, you don't have to live that way. <laughs> you, can't, you can't move to God's country up here where there is no humidity and there are no bugs, uh, but maybe you just don't know any better. So uh, shout out to Southern Man. Uh, he is tough, uh, and, and that's about all I know. But um, I wouldn't want to live there. That's, that's about my only opinion on that. But um, no problem with Southern Man whatsoever. You got a raw deal in the, in, in the Civil War. There's a lot more to what went on than... Uh, some of the history books would lead us to believe, and um, I think many of you were treated unfairly and still are, still being punished uh, for s some things that maybe you are or are not guilty of. Um, but um, I would have Southern Man next to me uh, over a lot of other folks, I'll tell you that. Because uh, Southern Man knows how to fish and hunt, typically, uh, and is very polite and has some manners, unlike, unlike East Coast Man. Not really. I love East Coast Man, too. You know, you know I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get after you if I didn't like you. So Southern Man, you, maybe you should be concerned that I never talk about you. I, I just don't have a lot of experience with Southern Man. So, uh, Florida Man, 
Now, Southern Florida man, I can't really get with him. Uh, I saw some very strange things up around Cape Canaveral. I, I drove, I took a drive. I was in, uh, I lived on Sanibel Island for a while. And when, um, I think it was John, when John Glenn, I'm not going to give him a shout out. John Glenn um, was launched into space, allegedly. Uh, we went there for the launch of the space shuttle. My sister and I, we were bo both living down there. And I had never been to the interior of, of Florida. Now, I'd been on the coast. You know, I'd been on the Gulf side and the coast side. And, and I actually lived in, I lived in South Beach for a while, right, right off of the, the strip there. And that's a very different environment. You know, a lot of well-heeled people there, a lot of tourists, a lot of people from all over the world. You don't really get to experience the tr true Florida man uh, on the coast there. But when you go up at around Cape Canaveral, uh, just go up in there and, and visit the Piggly Wiggly, and you will meet a Florida man. <laughs> and you will not like it. Uh, the Florida man is ungovernable. I will give him that. Um, he may, Florida may be the salvation of the country <laughs> if we could ever pull it back from the brink. The Flor Florida man is completely ungovernable, uh, and, and everyone knows it. He a, is a species unto himself, but my goodness, I had never seen anything like it. I remember driving on our way up to Cape Canaveral, and I saw, I saw a girl that couldn't have been more than 13, barefoot, eight, nine months pregnant on the side of the road selling boiled peanuts. I had never had a boiled peanut. I didn't know about boiled peanuts, but we stopped and got some. And that was an interesting thing. A big old bag of soggy, wet peanuts in the shell. Um, it did not vibe with me. I, I, that was my first and last bag, a soggy bag of boiled, boiled peanuts. I, I don't get that. Then we went to the Piggly Wiggly uh, to pick up some food. Now, the Piggly Wiggly, to our international viewers, is a, a grocery chain. Uh, and I was standing there with my sister, and Florida man came up behind us and was leering at my sister. Now, my sister is a beautiful woman, tall, statuesque. You know, she's, she's, she is what she is. She gets a lot of attention. Florida man came up leering, and I, and <laughs> I looked back, and toothless and, and, and just a full-on tweaker, I was, looked at her and was like, my, you sure are pretty. <laughs> she recoiled over towards me, and we made our escape from there. And then uh, I saw, uh, as we continued our trip on the way up to Cape Canaveral, uh, there were uh, young boys and kids barefoot. You know, they, they were grounded. They got the message a long time ago in overalls, no shirt, with cane fishing poles. I mean, you want to talk about backwoods and backwards. I was shocked. There are two places in this country where I've truly, truly been surprised by what I saw. And that was the interior of Florida and meeting Florida man in, in the wild and um, intercourse Pennsylvania uh, in the heart of Amish land. That was a culture shock as well. You know, you can read about it. You can see it on TV. But until you're there, it's hard to experience it. It is um, just such a, a culture so far removed from anything that, I, that I'd grown up, grown up with. And it was very interesting. Shout out to Florida man. We have a super chat from Daniel S36. Shout out to you. Who says, what's your opinion on this? Oh, I already read that. I'm sorry. Double shout out to, to, to Plague S36. Daniel writes, and new member. Welcome, Daniel. 
Thanks, Cody. I have uh, have a good afternoon. Appreciate the live show. Yeah, I appreciate you being, being here. Th thank you very much. New member, Sean Sanders, our brand newest member. You are the newest member of, the, of everyone. Enjoy your 940 badge. It's a cool one. And shout out to Overton for making that. All right, stream time, 1.5 hours. Thanks for the update. Thank you. Beloved, please keep us in your prayers. We are at the tip of the spear. We are... The bolder that I am and the more I profess the true word here, uh, the more we're going to get pushback. I, we need your prayers. Um, we need an army of prayer, prayer warriors. It is everything to us. It's the only way we can, we can continue. And, and don't forget, uh, it's, the it's the best thing you can do for us. We pray for you. Pray for you co constantly. We will, I will make a commitment to be here to you as long as I can. Um, Monday through Friday, be here at noon, Pacific Standard Time, West Coast Time, and uh, who knows where it's going to go. Who knows what I'm going to share. Uh, I don't plan. We just uh, let the Spirit lead. But um, we're doing God's work here, and uh, we need to support each other. Do not lose hope. Remember, we are on the winning side. Your Father loves you. The reason why you feel bad about your past, the reason why you have regrets in your life, the reason why you just despise yourself and you can't look at yourself in the mirror, that is not a bad thing. That is God, that people, if you find yourself in that situation, you've probably never been closer to God. You know, Jesus said, I didn't come to save the, the I, I came to save sinners. And the fact that you have remorse in your heart, the fact that you are starting to see the errors of your ways, that you haven't been on the right path. Maybe you knew God at once and, and you've turned away from Him and you think you've just done too much and you can't get back and, and it's just eating you up. That's God calling to you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the story again. We'll close with this because it's so powerful. I, the, the Sweet Loaf and I read this last night together and it just brings a tear to my eye and it tells us you don't know your father. The story of the prodigal son. When he had left and, and took, took his inheritance and left and squandered everything, squandered all the good things that his father had worked and built up and gave to him, when he found himself destitute and, in, and poor and hungry and, and so far completely removed from his father and just a wreck, probably riddled with venereal diseases, who knows what. He was ashamed to go home. He was ashamed to even... Go back to his family farm. So he was so desperate, he thought, well, the only thing I can do is, is I can just throw myself on the mercy of my dad. I don't expect him to let me to be his son again. I'm sure he's disowned me. I'm sure he wants nothing to do with me. I've just, I've just gone too far. I've, done, I've just done too much. How could anyone forgive what I have done? The most beautiful part of that story, he decided, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just go home. He rehearsed a speech. He was going to just, he knew he had limited time before his dad would cut him off and throw him off the land. If I could just, just get this quick speech out. All he wanted was, just, Dad, just, just give me a job. Put me out in the barn uh, with the hired men. I, I'll do anything. You know, I don't ex have any expectation of being your son anymore. I, I just, just give me a place to live. That's all I want. Just give me some food and, and I'll work and I'll, and I'll never bother you again. The Bible tells us that his dad, as he was coming into the, down the road, the lane to his dad's, dad's farm, his, his father spied him from a long ways off. 
Why did his dad see him from so far away? Because his dad was looking for him the whole time. Every single day, his father, multiple times a day, would walk up on that hill and look down there and see, is he coming? Is he coming home? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be today. Maybe it won't. He was looking for him the whole time. And he didn't even wait for his son to come to him. The moment he saw his son far off, miles away, coming up the road, even in his advanced age, the good book tells us that his father ran to him. He met him. He even shortened the distance that his son would have to travel. He met him where he was at. And he threw his arms around him. The Bible says they, he, they fell upon one another. And he cried, my son, my son has returned. It didn't matter what he had done. It didn't matter. The only thing that mattered was that his son was restored. His son was back to him. That allegory is, demonstrates us the, the character of our father. He's been looking for you the whole time. He's been waiting for you to come back. There's nothing that you've done that you can't, that can't be undone. There's nothing that can't be forgiven. There's no wrong that can't be righted. He doesn't care about that. All you've got to do is just take that one step to him. That might be t t turning a 180. You might not even have to make a journey. Just take a 180. Just put away those things. Ask for forgiveness for, for, for the time you've spent away from him. Ask for forgiveness that you left him. He'll be right there. He's been there the whole time. And the fact that you feel remorse and sorrow and sadness and regret for your life That, he's been there the whole time. It's not, you're not lost until you get to the point where you're so hard that you just don't care. That's when you're lost. If you're to the point where I don't give a damn what people think, I don't give a damn about religion, I don't give a damn, I'm going to live my own life and to hell with the consequences. You know, that, that, that's, that, that's the lost state right there. And if, if you're not there and if you feel genuine remorse and, and sorrow and regret like, I have, the many times that I've walked away from it, then you're closer to God than you probably have ever been. It's simple. It's not difficult. Don't let churches and men and preachers overcomplicate it for you. The gospel is very simple. An attorney came to Jesus and said, what must I do to be saved? He summed it up so beautifully. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, all your strength. Sorry, I get it wrong sometimes. And love your neighbor as yourself. And to, trans, to, to put that into our words so we can understand it is, is the Bible clearly tells us if you love God, you do what? How do you show that you love God? You, if you love God, you keep his commandments. And so all we've got to do is love God, keep his commandments the best we can, and love your neighbor as yourself, which to me is carry one another's burdens. Help out if you can. If you see a brother in need, you see a sister in need, And if within your power to, to lend a helping hand, to give someone a ride, to give someone a meal, to give someone, help them with their move or help them fix their car, whatever it is, that, that's, that's the gospel right there. That's it. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. And if you adhere to those, those conditions and you make that your creed and you try to make yourself a, a kind, compassionate person and put away competitiveness and put away envy and jealousy and those things that are they're just not characters of God, it's as simple as that. The world has done everything it can to put a barrier, a wedge between you and your Father in heaven. And uh, we're here to remove that wedge. I I've had it between me. I've fought with it my whole life. I see now that it never needed to be there. It was manufactured. It was a lie. 
We have nothing to be fearful for. This is an exciting time and it's a great, great honor if we are the final generation that will be standing when, 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 when the Christ returns, when Jesus returns. It's going to be incredible. I, I plan on being there. One more. We have a super chat from Xavier who writes, Have you received your RP race exhaust? I have. I've got uh, 15 hours on it, and I'll tell you, it barks in the woods. Actually, uh, I've got a, I shot uh, my buddy David and I had one of, one of the best snow bike days of my life right up in the backyard yesterday. It was incredible. Bluebird day. I've got a bunch of video. I'll, um, I posted some of it for the members. I'll see if I can stitch together a clip, uh, but you, you'll get to hear it. It, uh, it barks. <laughs> it is. People say, you know, that, that thing sounds angry. Uh, what he's talking about is um, I have a 2019 KTM 450. Uh, and I took off the factory exhaust and put on uh, a, a race exhaust from about one inch to two inch of straight pipe. And it is awesome. It's awesome. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Xavier. Uh, I'll work that into you. Uh, you'll get to hear it. I even got some good audio on that. Shout out to you. Final super chat. We have a super chat from Austin Fitterer. Shout out to you, Austin. And Austin writes, best way to compromise rural living with a wife's decision to be more connected to the city and closer to her family. I know you touched on it this earlier uh, a little bit. You guys are going to have to come to a meeting of the mind on that. Um, and you're going to have to really be on the same page. This is going to be a, a great challenge to your relationship and to your marriage in the best of situations. And that's understanding that you both really want to do it. Even then, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be such a radical change for you. If you think at all that you're making a decision or your wife is making a decision under duress, she will resent that. And then she'll come to resent you, and that could be that could blow up and destroy your whole marriage. So I understand, man, I get it. I get it. The insatiable appetite, the desire to get out of your environment and, and to get to a simpler way of living, to get out into a safer place to live with like-minded people. I get it. It is, I mean, I, I, I just I, I just couldn't rest until it was done. It was it was just it was everything to me. But knowing what I know now, unfortunately, we did it this way. Mrs. W was 100% was on board. You may have to make some compromises. Relationships are about compromises. She may not want to go as hard or extreme as you do, but it doesn't mean that you can't do something, right? So understand that this, make sure you talk it out, make sure that you're 100% on the same page and, and write it down if you have to, what your goals are and what's important to her and what's important to you, put them together and find a compromise. It's, you, you have to, we have to respect one another. Her opinions are just as valid as yours and also remember as i'm so fond of saying that we as men oftentimes come to decisions very quickly and we're res we we're resolved to do it and it's so clear to us there's no question that, and we can get frustrated that our wives don't see this but oftentimes you know we're our own 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 our worst own our worst enemy public school rears its ugly head we are our own worst enemies because we have not followed through in things in the past. We have got excited about things and didn't follow through. And our wives are watching, our kids are watching, and we, we undo ourselves by these things. 
Maybe you haven't done that, but most of us have. So you have, you have that working against you as well. So just be sure, number one thing, whatever it is that you make a compromise, it is an equal partnership. A marriage is an equal partnership. And her say is just as valid as yours. And be patient too. One thing that I found to be helpful, and this is not, I'm not saying to manipulate your wife or anything, but get her involved with it. She may be wondering about this and maybe doesn't, isn't on board because we fear what we don't know. Get out there with her and show her. Find, find someone that may be doing it in a way that you want to do it. That would be the best thing. That was something that really tipped the scales for Mrs. W when we were able to go out, see it being done. See the fruit of the labor too. See the children that were raised in a homeschooling environment and, and how they thrived and how they were so much different than public educated kids. How that um, happy uh, the couple was, how strong their marriage was. You know, find someone that can model or that is modeling what you want and hope to achieve and let, let her just see it. You won't need to say a thing and just get her involved in that and, and that will help. Um, and be patient. Be patient with our women. They're there to help us. They're, they're, they can be our best counselor. They can pull the reins in a little bit. They can pump the brakes a little bit and prevent us from going headlong off of a cliff as we are inclined to do. Um, and they're, 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 uh, they're, God gave, gave them to us uh, to be our helpmates, um, not to be a hindrance to our plans and, and to, to stomp on our dreams. Now, you might be married to an unreasonable woman. That's a possibility as well. And if that's the case, then that's, you, that's on you. You married her. And there's, there, if you've got a stubborn and obstinate woman or a stubborn and obstinate man, there's nothing you can do about it. And if, there's, if, if they lack intelligence, there's the worst combination of a person is, is dumb and stubborn. If you run into that, uh, there is no point. <laughs> there's nothing that can be done. But uh, if you're here... Uh, watching this video, I don't imagine that you would fall into that criteria category. So that's the advice I'd give you on that. Um, that's it. Thank you, gentlemen. Keep us in your prayers. May God bless you and your families. We'll see you guys over this weekend on the member stream.